Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. Well, I'm so glad you're at church, and we are excited to see what God is doing. Amen? Amen. It was cool to pull in the parking lot today and just watch as, uh, actually, as I was pulling in, a bunch of other trucks were pulling in. Hands of Hope was out, and not only were they delivering more, uh, they also were receiving more, and so they packed all the trucks and the warehouses full. And how many of you know God is so good because he continually provides what we need, when we're going to need it, and then we're able to go and bless as many families as we possibly can. Amen. Amen. And uh, if you've never been out here on a Saturday, I would encourage you just to come out and spend an afternoon out here because you would be blown away by what your church is doing. Um, there are people that are serving and serving and serving, and it's going to even get to be more. We have, we have outreaches that are happening that didn't even make it through that March, uh, that March recap. Um, there's, there is a, a ministry that goes out every weekend now, Hope Beacon, and they go out and they serve and they they reach some of the homeless people and bring them meals and just conversation, and that also happens. Uh, we have a group that goes out on Wednesday nights, and they go and serve at the, at, at the uh, warming shelter. Just amazing to see what God is doing. Will you give them a round of applause? Uh, I want to mention to you also that we've got, in just a couple of weeks, is Easter, and so we have a full weekend that weekend. On Friday, we are going to join with two other churches, and we're going to do Good Friday uh, services up at Mac, uh, Missoula Alliance Church, up in the South Hills, up near Chief Charlotte School there. And so we would love to have you come and participate with us in that. And then that weekend, we will also do our normal Saturday night gathering, and then we're going to do two Sunday morning gatherings. So there will be a 9 a.m. and a 10.30 a.m. That gathering for that weekend will be an hour long, and we want to encourage you to not only come, but this is a perfect weekend for you to invite somebody who wouldn't normally come to church uh, and this is a great weekend to do that. They're going to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. They're going to understand the sacrifice that he made, and they're going to, they're going to come to a, a place where they have the opportunity to accept him into their lives. Amen? Amen. We need to, we need to uh, spread the light and the hope. There are people in your lives that you have maybe even written off, and I'm telling you right now, God has not written them off. Amen. And so it's time. This is the time, and this is the season, so please... Please do that. We're going to, for the next couple weeks, we're going to look at God's word in a series that I've titled More Than. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 35 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful because, Lord, your word tells us that we are more than conquerors. So, Lord, as we look at this in the next few weeks, I pray that you'll remind us of who you say that we are. God, there are so many definitions that we can, we can uh, allow into our lives of who we are. And, God, the only definition that matters is yours. And Lord, you said that we're more than conquerors. So Father, we're going to believe that. We're going to hear this word and we're going to understand what that means for us. And so God, I lift up all those who will hear this message 
uh, tonight, and, and God, we lift up those who are watching Star Valley and those in Alaska who are watching, and, and God, those who will be watching in Malawi. And Father, we're just so grateful for, for what we're seeing take place in the prison system in Montana, that God, we have the ability to, to be seen and heard, and we're watching as you're just showing up, and we're hearing stories of transformation taking place. So God, we just, we rest this word in your hands, God, that I will get out of the way, and that Father, you will be front and center and that, God, it will not return void, but that wherever we are in our journey with you, that tonight we will hear what we need to hear to press in and to, and to lean into you more. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I want us to look at this for just a moment. Last weekend, we were, we were spending some time in his word, and one of the things that I said is that, that, life, that life, just because we accept Christ, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy. That life doesn't, isn't going to be easy just because you've accepted Christ. And as we look at this verse, it tells us, listen, we understand that troubles and hardship and persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and sword and all these things are going to come our way. But through that, we need to understand that we are more than conquerors because he loves us. In 2 Chron, uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, it says this, we are helpless in the face of this large army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you for help. So I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, where you feel like your circumstance is overwhelming to you, where you feel like what it is you're faced with, you're not sure how you're gonna get to the other side of it. And so you, you come to this place where maybe you spend a lot of time focused on how bad things are in your life. And as we read this verse, it says, we are helpless in the face of this large army that is attacking us. They feel as though there's no hope, there's no chance, there's no way that they'll ever get to the other side of it. And I want us to understand that today, no matter what it is that you are walking through, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, if you said yes to him, then in that moment, you become a son or a daughter of the Most High King. And he says to you tonight that you are more than conquerors. <clears throat> that the victory that he's already won is actually yours to hold on to. So over the next few weeks, I want to equip you to understand the tools that we need in order to win. And we got to start with an understanding that it all begins with the following. We've got to follow him, right? Like we can say we believe in Jesus. We can say that we like Jesus, but he did not call us to just believe in him and to like him. He called us to follow him. And so there's something really important about that. And can I tell you, super exciting to just see as, as we kind of did the, the math and figured it out so that Hunter could put that little video together. Last week alone, we had over 25 people accept Jesus into their life. And that's that beginning of that follow, right? That's, that's where we start. We start with that understanding of who he is and what he means to us, and then we begin to walk that thing out. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything we might have supremacy. Paul is saying that Christ is the head of the body, and that he, then he exhorts us that we should make him a pri the priority. So as we look at this, we see that it says, hey, we need to follow first. That's first, the first step. 
And many of us kind of get stuck there. We make the decision that, yeah, we're going to follow Jesus, but then we, we let everything else just kind of become priority inside of our lives. And, and as we look at this, Paul is saying, listen, you've got to make him the priority. He needs to have supremacy. Other translations say that in all things, he will have preeminence. And the word preeminence comes from um, the Greek that's pratio, which means to be first in rank and influence. It comes from that word, which means the foremost um, in order of importance. And so sometimes we lose sight of this and we, we put a lot of things in front of what God says is important. And I think for us, as we understand this, this concept of being made more than a conqueror, we need to realize that in order to be more than a conqueror, we need to be living our lives in a way that is honoring to him. It doesn't say you'll be, more, be made more than a conqueror in anything that you do. So if all of a sudden you say that you believe in Jesus, but you just kind of go off and do your own thing, you may not win. The winning comes from the following and the understanding of the importance of that relationship and understanding who he's calling us to be. If step one to conquer is to follow, then step two is to prioritize, which means to put God in his rightful place. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just walk in any situation and we could win? No matter where you go, you win. We've said this before. Wouldn't it be great if you just accept Jesus and then everything goes your way? You accept Jesus tonight. Maybe you're, you're new to River of Life. You've never accepted Jesus. And so tonight you make that decision. I'm going to follow him from this day forward. You go to work the next day. They said, hey, we're actually promoting you. We're, we're, we're making you the boss over everything. And actually, you don't even have to do anything. You can just sit in your office and watch Netflix. And we're just going to double your pay. And it's going to be phenomenal. And, and everywhere you went, you pulled in. And there was a great parking spot for you. And every... Every time you wanted anything, it just happened for you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Some of you are like, sign me up. We can give the altar call. I'm coming. Let's do it. But that's not really how God works. I love our church. <laughs> it's okay to ask God for things that you want and things that you need, but can I tell you where you really begin to see God move in those areas is when what you want and need align with who he says that he wants and needs you to be. There's a popular message out there that says God wants you to have it all, and the reality is that God wants your heart. So we, get, we can get up and we can talk about prosperity. We can talk about all these things. But the reality is, if anything that God would give you would take your heart further from him, he's not going to give it to you. He wants your heart. He wants you to follow him. Jesus didn't preach a gospel of never-ending rainbows or consistent sunshine. He didn't talk about palm trees. <laughs> Though I do. But he did represent... A God who is there for broken people, whatever the weather, whether that is us personally or creating a space where fellow Christians can express themselves honestly. It's so important for us to get the heartbeat of God and to understand that that's where we truly can put ourselves into a position to be more than conquerors. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Praise be, the Lord, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we, comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Now I want to look at this for just a moment because the scripture says that he comforts us so that we can comfort others. Often we go through hard things so that we can receive comfort and then we can give that comfort to someone else. So I was trying to think of a of a, an example of this, of, of how this has maybe worked even in my life. And, and for those of you who've been at River of Life for some amount of time, you may have heard this before, but I think it's, I think it's worth repeating. When, when Shannon and I, before we planted River of Life Church and we were in between, we had been at, at a different church in town as youth pastors. We had a season where we were in between and we went through a really hard season in our life where we uh, where money was super tight. And we happened to, I was doing my media business and we were in the office of another church in town that they had given me some office space. And things were super tight and, and money was hard to come by. We were down to one vehicle and, and just trying to make things work. And, and I, I remember that, that this church had a food bank and out of that food bank, they would, they would serve on Saturdays. And then I would come into my office oftentimes on Monday and there would be about three or four loaves of bread sitting on the chairs in my office. And I remember the first time that it happened, I was like, uh, I'm not, I'm not in that position. I don't, I don't need them to start giving me stuff. Like, I'm not doing that. And so I went and I found the, the people who ran the food bank and I'm like, hey, I appreciate the sentiment, but we're good. We'll be fine. And they were like, no, 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 we want you to have it. It's extra. It's fine. We're, we'll throw it out if you don't take it. And so I was like, all right. So we took it. And, and the next week, same thing. And over time, I began to realize how much it made a difference. I mean, just a few dollars, but it was, it was a big deal to us. And so for us, when we started River of Life Church, it was out of that place of needing that comfort that came from somebody to care about me when no one else noticed. Somebody noticed, somebody saw me, somebody said, hey, I, it looks like you're going through kind of a hard season, and so we want to come alongside you. And it was out of that comfort that I received that when we planted this church, even when we started in the school, before we had, before we had anything, we said, hey, we're going to go and we're going to buy bread, and we're going to put it out every weekend. We're going to put it, we're going to put it in the lobby and with a sign that says, if you need some, take some. If you know somebody who needs some, take some for them. And so to this day, as you walk out, many of you maybe are fairly new to River and you're like, I've never seen a church that has a bread rack in the lobby. Amen. That's why we have a bread rack in the lobby. Because it was out of space in our lives where we needed comfort. And somebody stepped into that. And because God provided for us, it taught me to provide for others. And so as we look at this, what we need to understand is sometimes you're going to go through something that's hard. And I, those were moments in my life where we had been faithful and we've been trying to do what God was asking us to do, but yet everything seemed to be hard. We went through one struggle after another, after another, and we be, it was easy to begin to just start like my prayers stopped sounding like praise you God to more like God, why? I mean, you've been through those seasons. Why me? Why this? 
Why are, we, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? And in those moments of understanding that I was in this hard place, God was walking me through a lesson that he knew I needed to learn because one day he was sending me. He was bringing me to a, a, a church in East Missoula where there will be people that will come and they need. And if I never needed, I would never understand need. And so out of that, I want, you to, I want you to understand that sometimes life can be hard and many, many battles uh, in our lives, we don't understand why they're even there. But in the middle of our battle, if we will prioritize God and thank him even in the middle of the battle and say, God, I know that you are good and I know that you are with me and I know that your word says that you'll never leave me or forsake me. And so because of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand knowing that there is victory at the end of this battle for me. And it changes our mindset. So I want to look at a story that I think is, I think is, is a great story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 14. It says this. One day Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over uh, to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Geba around the pomegranate tree of Migran. So I want to stop here for a moment because Saul has his army. There's a, there's a battle that's going to take place most likely. Uh, the enemy is on one side of the hill and on this other side sits, sits Saul and his army and they're sitting under this pomegranate tree. And Jonathan is there and Jonathan is, is anxious to fight. He's anxious to win. He's anxious to go and see what God will do. How many of you have people in your life that are, that are always moving, they're trying, to, they're trying to push forward, they're trying to gain ground from the enemy? That's Jonathan in this story. He, he, God makes promises to the children of Israel, and Jonathan's just crazy enough to believe them. So Saul is hanging out with his troops. They're sitting under a pomegranate tree. They're, they're hanging out. They're on the brink. They're just close to where the battle is, right? But they're not, they're not in the battle. They're just sitting on the outskirts of the battle. They're relaxing. Now, how many of you know, if, if you know that the enemy's just on the other side of the hill, you're not really relaxing anyhow, <laughs> right? But they're not participating in the battle either. And so as we look at this story, it progresses in verse six. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So first of all, Jonathan has somebody in his life that's amazing, his armor bearer. Because Jonathan makes a statement that if you and I are like, hey, there's a big amount of danger on the other side of this hill, what I, what I want to hear from you, if you're the one leading me, is I want you to hear, hey, God showed me we're going to go win. But that's not what Jonathan says. He says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I'm kind of thinking that if I'm, if I'm storming that hill with you, I'm wanting a little more than a perhaps, right? I'm wanting something a little bit more. And, and in that, he says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So in other words, he's saying, listen, I know we got an army over here, but if God's given us the victory, it doesn't matter if there's 602 of us or if there's two of us. Because God is able. 
And so what I need you to understand is when we look at the children of Israel, we see how many victories that they won, but you have to be in it to win it, right? You have to actually go and fight the battle. The children of Israel won a lot of battles, but they participated in the battle, right? They didn't just sit back and God said, hey, I slaughtered those people for you so you can go right on into that land. No, they had to go and, and fight the battle. What we need to understand is the church is being called today to stand. The church is being called today to fight. We cannot just sit back and continue to allow the enemy to take more ground and more ground and more ground. We have to stand up. We have to say, what is truth? Not what does the world say is truth? What does this book say is truth? Because this thing is not changing. It doesn't get, we're not going to re-edit it to make it fit today. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't make a mistake when the book was written. And so we've got to start to stand and understand that if we're going to win a battle, it means we've got to start fighting the battle. Verse 7. Listen to what his armor bearer says. Uh, this guy's amazing. We all need one of these in our lives, okay? Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you heart and soul. Jonathan says, hey, perhaps. Hey, I don't know. Hey, you want to go see what's on the other side of that hill? Who knows? Be kind of cool, right? Let's go check it out. I know there's a huge army over there, and there's two of us, but perhaps. And, and these guys, and he says, whatever, whatever you say. Why? Because he understood who Jonathan was, Right? He understood that Jonathan was a young man who was pursuing what God had called him to pursue. He was a young man who had faith and believed and trusted and knew that his God was bigger than any enemy that they could ever face. And so because of that, he puts himself into a position where he says, listen, I, I don't know whether you heard from God about running up this hill or you didn't, but I've seen in your life things change when you step into them. So for us as believers, what if all of a sudden people in our lives began to look at us and say, I don't know, but I do know you. I don't know exactly what God's calling us to do, but I've seen in you that when you say you're moving, you're always moving to do something good for God. Verse 8, Jonathan said, come on then, we'll cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay there, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. Stop there for just a moment because Saul is sitting under a pomegranate tree hanging out. The Philistines, the enemy, is going, they're chicken. They're afraid of us. See, the church, we can't be sitting under the pomegranate tree anymore. We got to stand and we got to fight and we got to understand that we already know that God is for us. And so why are we hiding? Verse 12, 
The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. You have to show up to win. You don't win in the shade of the pomegranate tree. Saul knew that he represented the Lord, but he knew that God, and he knew that God favored his army, but instead of winning ground, he chose to sit. Sometimes I think we fight harder to be comfortable than we fight to win. I think the church of the United States, I think the, church, the Western church often fights harder to find comfort than we do to actually gain ground from the enemy. Is it because we don't actually think that we can win? I think, I think sometimes we feel like, well, we're just losing ground continually, so why put ourselves out there? I don't know if you know this or not, but you've been made more than a conqueror. So back to this idea of prioritizing. God is the head. Can I tell you that God prioritizes victory? So if we prioritize comfort and convenience, then we actually aren't following him. See, if, if it's follow, prioritize, but yet his priority is gain ground, win people, fight for those who need to be fought for, fight for truth, but we choose to hold back, then that means God is leading the army this direction and we're sitting under the pomegranate tree saying we're following him. You're not following then. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. So, first of all, Jonathan's heart is so important in this story because Jonathan is, is aligning himself with his creator. God is a God who wins. Amen. He wins. He does not lose. So Jonathan says, hey, there's enemy over there. They're tough. It's going to be hard. But I know that God wins. So let's you and I... And perhaps, let's see, right? And even his plan isn't, a, I mean, in my eyes, not a great plan. Like, hey, we'll call out to them. When they see us, if they say, come up, then we'll go up there and we'll know that we have it. And if not, then we'll wait for them to come down. Well, then that's saying God didn't give them into your hands. So the plan is to just wait for them down at the bottom of the hill. I don't know what was going to happen. But see, Jonathan knew God is a God who wins. So I'm believing that if I put myself out into a place that's uncomfortable, that God is going to show up on my behalf. And then even when he does, he says, he says listen, I know that he, the Lord, has given them into the hand of Israel. So Jonathan isn't even taking credit for it. He's saying, I know God has given them not into my hand, not into our hand, but into the hand of Israel. Why? Because it's not about him. It's not about his reputation. Not only was Jonathan doing what God told him to do, he was also giving God credit for the victory. He wasn't trying to build his own brand. Come on. 
It was all the glory goes that way. All the honor goes to him. And I'm, I'm not even saying God did it for me. I'm saying God did it for Israel. He's saying, I just happen to be the vessel that God's going to use. Verse 13, Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Jonathan knew God's heart and it was for them to beat the Philistines. And so he put himself out there and he said, God, your priorities are my priorities. I'll tell you what, it would be easy in that scenario to go, hey, this is gonna be hard, it's gonna be dangerous, and so I'm gonna just sit under the pomegranate tree and relax a little bit. Really, it's on Saul to figure out when we're going. He's the one in charge, so I'm gonna just relax like everybody else is relaxing. And that's easier because now I got 600 guys with me, and so we can go and, and I only have to kill one guy or two guys maybe. But out of this, Jonathan's like, no, I know my God. And my God says, I am to win. Amen. So I'm going to go and do what needs to be done in order to win a victory for God. Jonathan placed himself in a position to accomplish what God wanted accomplished. Are we placing ourselves into a position to accomplish what God wants accomplished? What if we lived our lives with a mindset of Perhaps the Lord will help us. For nothing can hinder the Lord. We can win a battle whether he is, whether there's many warriors or there's few. What if you went to work this week and that person that's in your office that, that is the hardest person for you to get along with? That person that is always complaining, that person that's always a pain, the one that's always maybe trying to get you in trouble, whatever, that person. What if you today said, what if today you said, you know what, perhaps the Lord will work on my behalf. And so you go to them and instead of keeping your mouth shut or, or talking about them behind their back to your coworkers or whatever, instead of that, you approach them and said, hey, I don't know what you're doing on Easter, but I'd love for you to come to church with me. And again, I want to I want to encourage you. Don't invite, bring bite. Okay, there's it's different. It's different to say, hey, would you would you join me at church? Like if if you tell me that you'll come, tell me how many of you there are, and I'll save some seats for you because we would love to have you come and, and participate with us. Maybe for you, there's there's things going on in your life where you just need to realize, hey, God is a God of victory. And if what I'm wanting aligns with who he says that, that I am and who he says he is, then all of a sudden I can walk into a very hard situation with an understanding that God is with me. When we place God on the throne above all else, we begin to walk in the realm of the miraculous. Jonathan, Jonathan said, listen, God is the priority. He's the most important thing to me. And, and so he says to his armor bearer, listen, perhaps if we go over here, the Lord will work on our behalf. And they do. They go, you know what? It's not about us being comfortable. It's not about us being safe. It's not about us 
us knowing exactly how things are going to take place. It's about us positioning ourselves into a place where we say, God, you are above all things to me. And inside of that, then all of a sudden we open ourselves up to the realm of the miraculous because God will work on your behalf. Many people wonder why they can't move from survivor to conqueror, even though they've chosen to follow Jesus. Can I tell you, oftentimes stuff stops them. I work hard and I need to be comfortable, and that's, that's kind of where we live our lives. This world will not accept us, so we must try our best to fit in and show Jesus through our tolerance. Why does it feel like week in and week out God's people continue to lose ground when we know that we've been called more than conquerors? I believe that we live in a society that is full of a malignant narcissism and it is all about me. Everything is about me. It's about, it's about how, can I get, how can I get into the forefront? How can, I be, how can I get ahead? How can I feel better about myself? How can I get more views? How can I get more likes? How can I, how can I, how can I? And we live our lives about I. And if Jonathan had said to his armor bearer, hey, the Philistines are over there, and I think I'm a pretty good warrior, and I think you're pretty good as well, so I think you and I can go over the hill and we'll have the ability to take out the Philistines. I mean, you know, we probably never have heard this story. But Jonathan knows where his strength comes from. It's not from his popularity. It's not from his strength. It's not from his abilities. It comes only from God. Everything needs to bow in our society right now, you see everything needs to bow to this place of making those who are the loudest feel comfortable. And there is a war that is raging on the other side of the hill. And we have not been chosen to sit under the pomegranate tree. Amen. It's easy to do because it's easy to not want to risk injury. It's easy to not want to, to have to work hard at something. It's easy to listen to this world that says, get ahead, do all the things that you want to do, live life for you, be comfortable, be happy. Do whatever, whatever the world says you should do, you should do that, and you'll find peace, and you'll find happiness in all of those things. But God said, in this world, you will find troubles, but take heart, because I've overcome this world. And so if we put our hope and our dreams and our trust in him and we understand who he is and who he says that we're called to be, then all of a sudden it puts us in a position where it's not about our comfort anymore. It's about taking ground from the end. Can you imagine if everybody who was called by his name, if every person in this world that ever said yes to Jesus, that said, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, if instead of being the silent minority, we stood up and were the loud majority, things would change. The enemy's already lost, and he knows he's lost. So all he has is the ability to just keep speaking loud and yet we listen. If you've come to River for any amount of time, even in our opening videos, it says that this is a hospital for the hurting and not a clubhouse for Christians. 
The Christian clubhouse is in the shade. It's a place where you're comfortable. It's a place where the temperature is always just right. The sound never gets too loud or too soft. The preacher never goes long. Why are we all laughing at that? Well, that's not funny. Uh, The hospital is the place where it gets messy, where it's hard. You don't go, you don't go like, hey, you know what? What are we doing Friday night? I don't know. Let's go hang out at St. Pat's, right? <laughs> let's, just go, hey, let's just go hang out at St. Pat's, see if they got some extra Jello cups for us, <laughs> right? Hey. We don't ever do that. Why? Because hospitals are there for a purpose. They're there to heal the wounded. They're there to to fix that which is broken. And it's uncomfortable. Very few people that I ever talk to go, you know, I love it when I have to go to the hospital, right? (laughs) No, you go because you need to go. You go because there's something in you that needs to to be fixed. And inside of this, what you need to understand is being who God's called us to be is never going to be about being comfortable. And some of us have chosen comfort over victorious. When you stand with God, he will see what you have done to win him a victory. He is never going to mention to you when you stand before your creator, he's not going to talk to you about what the bottom line is on your bank account. He's not going to talk to you about all the cool toys you were able to get. He's not even going to talk to you about the big elk that you got or the lake house that you bought. He's not going to talk to you about any of those things. He's going to say, what ground did you take back from my enemy? What things did you secede to him that were never his to have? He's going to look at your family and he's going to say, did your family know that I was the priority? Was your priority comfort or fun or was it facing his enemy? Can I, just, I want to speak to, to single women in the room right now. Women, when you're looking for your spouse and you put looks and sense of humor above having a godly character and then you wonder why you live the rest of your life in survival mode, prioritize. Men in the room, if you're looking for a spouse, she can be as cute as ever. Does she love Jesus? Is she about taking back ground from the enemy? Because that's his priority. And if all of a sudden you go, yep, that's my priority, then things change. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says this, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, we get this backwards, and I've said this in here lots of times, but, but I think we need, to, we need to be constantly reminded that we get this backwards where we feel like, I'm going to seek all this other stuff, and God will be in the mix. And then we wonder why we never find ourselves satisfied. We never find ourselves 
where we need to be because we are constantly chasing after things that are not what he told us to chase after. He says, seek first my stuff. Seek first what I say is important. Seek first who I am. And if you do that, he doesn't say, then you'll just, you'll just be fine with that. He says, I'll give you the other stuff. I'll give you the other things. Some of you, even as we talk about relationships, some of you fight so hard to try and make relationships happen. You're like, whether it's friendships, whether it's romantic relationships, whatever that is, you fight so hard and then you try, you, you find someone and then you try and fit them into a mold. Because what you did is you sought first what you wanted and then you're like, but now I, I want to seek God too, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squeeze this person in to try and make them fit and it doesn't work. Where he says, seek me first and I'll bring into your life who you need. Some of you are seeking career and advancement and all of those things. And, and that's fine, except for you've put it as the priority. Once I get this, then I will. Once I achieve, then I'll chase. Once this, then that. And God says, I already gave you the order. It's in the book. He's, not, he's like, I'm not hiding it. You don't need like a secret decoder ring to figure it out. It's here. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first what I prioritize. Seek first gaining ground from the enemy. Seek first standing for what is truth and what is honorable and what is right. Seek it first. And we go off, I seek that first, then I might miss out. No, that's not what the book says. Either believe it or don't believe it. The book says, seek first, and then this will be added to you. And the thing is, is you may go, well, some of the stuff that I want, here's the deal. When you seek him first, it does surgery in your heart. And it changes what you actually start to desire. Right? Right? Like now surgery has taken place and who I was before is not who I am anymore. And so the things that were important to me are no longer important to me, but the things that are important to him are now important to me. And so now when he gives you, everything he gives you, he goes, he goes I'm giving you what you want, but it's what I want. And he goes, and because of that, I'm going to just keep giving it to you. Like Jonathan's like what he wanted wasn't, hey, Hey, God, as long as we're sitting under this pomegranate tree, I'd like a cool, refreshing drink. No, what Jonathan said, what I want is I want to go, I want to go kick some enemy butt, man. And God's like, hey, that's what I want. I want you to kick some enemy butt. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start giving you some victory. For some of us, we just need to understand, if we follow the book, surgery takes place. And then all of a sudden, the things that we thought were super important aren't that important anymore. And when they become less important, then we start going, hey, God, you know what I really would like is I would like to, I'd like to see my whole office come to know Jesus. I'd like to, I'd like to start having a Bible study on, on Tuesday mornings in my office. That's what I want. And God's like, your heart aligns with mine. I want that for you. 
So he starts giving you victory after victory after victory. And you become more than a conqueror, even in the midst of all the nonsense that's going on. So if you put God first in your life, can I just tell you, things will change for you too because you'll start to realize that you have more time. We talk, you'll have somebody come up here like, like Jason did just a, a little bit ago where he talked about finances. You'll hear people talk about God's financial structure is different because as you trust him, he trusts you with more. Where you feel like you're going to lack, he'll, he'll give you more. He'll, he'll, he does. He's very, but that doesn't just go to finances. That actually works with your time as well. Some of you, you are so busy. One thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. Feel like you can't even breathe. What are you prioritizing? If you put him as the priority and you say, God, I want some of this stuff I need to get rid of. I need, to, I need to jettison some of these things. And I need to just make you the priority. Then all of a sudden you're going to see time is, is you have more of it. I believe that. It's the way he works. You go, I can't do one more thing. I know you keep asking us to serve, but I can't serve. I have no time. Try it. Watch what he does. So all of a sudden you show up and then things are getting canceled that you didn't need to go to anyhow. Or, or you go, man, my heart feels full when I come and I serve. And so I'm gonna, I need to get rid of some of these things that are sucking from me and start doing the things that are filling me. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me for the next few moments. As we wrap up this time together, I just want to take a moment tonight. And I really feel like that for many of us in the room, if we we're honest... You've been in a position where whether you accepted Christ in the last few weeks or whether you've been following him for some amount of time, if you were honest tonight, maybe you sit in a place where you go, you know what, Jason, I don't, I haven't made him the priority. I haven't made him first. I've been seeking all these other things. I've been doing all this other stuff to try and find my fulfillment and my happiness. I love Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. But I also like the pomegranate tree. I enjoy just relaxing a little bit. I like coming to church and, and singing and, and hearing the word and going out from here and, and not really letting it affect my life. But tonight is a night where you have the opportunity to just say, you know what, I am, I am done with that. I want to be more than a conqueror. I want to experience victory. So maybe tonight it's just a moment where you go, God, I'm gonna, I want to seek you first in all things. I want to seek you first with my time, with my finances, with my resources. I want to seek you first in my home. I want my children to see that you're important, that you're most important to me. Tonight's your night to say, I'm reprioritizing things. I'm shifting some things in my life. The thing is, is the way that you win is you get in the battle. You don't win sitting under the tree. You win by saying, God, I know there's an enemy. I know you want him defeated. I know that I am able because you are able. So I'm, I'm, I'm done sitting on the sidelines and I'm ready to go and fight and win. So tonight, we're going to spend a little bit more time in worship, and as the team leads us, I'm going to just encourage you 
There will be some people down here. If you need prayer, they're more than happy to pray with you. But otherwise, if you just would take a few moments tonight and be honest with yourself, what is my priority? What is most important to me? Am I seeking him first? Because if not, then rearrange that priority list tonight and watch what he does. God, we're so grateful that you love us so much. And Father, you have made us more than conquerors. You have told us that. But God, for many of us, I feel like we've just been sitting on the sideline. We've been allowing this world to pass us by. We've watched as the enemy keeps moving moving towards us and, and gaining more and more ground each and every day. And tonight, God, we say enough is enough. We are ready to go and to fight for you, to go and to change the world for you, to change our priority list so that we can say that we are seeking you first. God, you're so gracious because you could have ended the verse there. You could have just said, seek me first and my stuff, but you didn't end it there because you're such a good God that you said, if you do that, I'll give you the other stuff. You're not a God who withholds. You're a God of generosity. So Father, help us to hear that tonight and to allow it to affect the innermost parts of who we are. God, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand as we worship? Come and use the altars if you need to or come and get prayer if you also need that. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.